It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to talk about some X-Wing. And John McDermott. Hello. And this week, we're back with another entry in our Essential Starfighters series. Yeah, it's been fun, you know, the last couple months going back and kind of reviewing uh, our Essential Ship Types uh, series that we did but this time kind of assigning you know them to the specific ships within the different factions and being able to break down those ships in their own episodes and this week we thought we'd talk about the tie reaper which is a really interesting piece and a pretty good one regardless of what format you're playing yeah this is a real workhorse of the imperial faction uh does a lot of different things it'll be good to dive into it yeah, I'm a big fan of the TIE Reaper. I know there's been a spattering of them in the XTC games. Uh, Carson, I don't think you've played against one yet, but maybe you will. Not yet. Um, but I like playing them. I know I've seen them at store nights as those have been picking back up. So let's uh, let's jump in and break it down. All right, first question, John. How many uh, stars out of five would you give that TIE Reaper? <laughs> Uh, five. Five is just the correct number for the ship in general, right? Yeah, five stars, one star per Reaper in your list. <laughs> uh, we're not going to spend this whole episode talking about how John became somewhat infamous for flying tie five, re- five TIE Reapers at a large X-Wing event and actually doing pretty okay with them. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about this ship as it falls into the category of a utility ship. So as we defined back in the day with a whole series of episodes, we uh, broke down X-Wing ships into kind of seven essential ship types. And now we're looking at specific examples of ships within those types. So this week, the TIE Reaper falls into the category of utility ship. And th- this one, we always explain what the categories are. This one is particularly interesting because it it feels like a category that encompasses two very different things. Yeah, so I, I distinctly remember when we were coming up with the different uh, designations for the ship types that uh, we settled on utility because we agreed that support wasn't quite enough to describe what this type of ship does. Um, but the utility ships in general do offer a lot of support, usually to other ships in a list. And it's support that is not always firepower or combat-based. Right, and we when we mean that, I mean, the game is built around firepower, right? So support abilities are often lending to more powerful attacks. What we mean specifically is that the ship itself, its main focus isn't how much damage it can provide. It's how it affects other ships in the game. And that takes in both support, right? Things like coordinate and abilities that let you share tokens or pass tokens, that kind of stuff. But also takes in control. So that's why utility ship, I think, is kind of a weird category. Um, But it kind of makes sense if you think about it, because on on their own, neither of those are enough to really encompass a whole category. But when you look at it through the lens of, okay, the main thing this ship does is not put out damage, um, then it makes sense to group support and control abilities into utility. Well, and even some ships... Um, you know, it depends on the pilot uh, or faction, perhaps, whether they're more controlling or um, supportive, right? If we look at the Hawk as a perfect example of a utility ship, uh, on the Rebel faction, it's much more supportive, a lot of boosting your team up. And then on the Scum faction, right, it's a lot more controlling, really, uh, trying to mess up your opponent's ships. And in the case of the Chai Reaper, which we'll get to, it actually kind of does both. 
Um, you can look at utility ships, though. You can look at some general characteristics to them. A lot of times they're slower. So um, utility ships, often they're getting you a lot of you know bonuses that you can pass to your friendly ships or controlling your opponent's ships. To that end, they don't have the highest quality of dial because you can't like the point investment you're putting in them is not for a, a high quality dial. So oftentimes they'll be a lot slower and probably have a lot fewer maneuver options. And in general, too, you see um, to kind of counter those control and support abilities. Obviously, you don't want a ship that's perfect at everything in the game. Otherwise, that would just be overwhelming. So the the attack value of these utility ships tends to be on the lower side um, comparative to their cost. I was kind of thinking you were going to say you don't want a ship that's per- good at everything like a fire spray with Sam Wessel. <laughs> <laughs> But I digress. Yeah, so, and this is like, support ships don't necessarily have low attack power, but often for the points you're paying, like, you're not, since you're not relying on the offense, even if they do have a lot of attack dice, like, it's not going to be a good cost-effective amount of attack dice to how many points you're paying, because that's not the point. Right, and then, of course, they also have those utility sort of actions, right? They have the support or control abilities, the jams, the coordinates, um, and then you know, access to crew or gunner slots, right? Those have a lot of support or control abilities. And then just pilot abilities, right? That also help out or mess up your opponent ships, right? Right. And I mean, like that comes in so many categories too. One of the other reasons utility ship is an interesting category is that it doesn't even have to be built in functionality that gives them this role. It can be the fact that they have crew slots. It can be the fact that they have access to certain actions. Like there's, there's a bunch of different reasons they can get these abilities. So um, every, every utility ship does it in a different way or in a different combination of ways. But it is true. Generally they do have access to the crew slot because there are a lot of great, um, support and control abilities that can be found in that pretty diverse slot. Yeah, so that's kind of you know your general utility ship. So let's start looking at okay, well, how does the Tie Reaper fit into a utility ship? Right, what is its sort of unique design in that utility ship category? And it's funny what its unique design is in a lot of ways is that a lot of its abilities fly in the face of the normal constraints of a utility ship. Like, if you look at, like, adaptive ailerons, that's a huge piece, a huge part of the ship that really helps compensate in a lot of ways for the slower dial on the Reaper and also gives it really good blocking potential, which is an extra control ability. Um, The ailerons just helps tweak a lot of the things that would be a normal constraint on a ship like this. Right, and if you played the end of first edition, you'd say, well, the TIE Reaper, you know, it used to be a lot more nimble on that board, but... Um, you know, just looking at second edition and comparing it to a lot of the other utility ships, yes, it is quite mobile. And you can't underestimate the value of that adaptive aileron's ability on the medium base either. It just makes it that much faster. And, you know, compared to even the strikers, aileron's move can throw that medium base forward a lot farther. So this thing can clear a lot of distance pretty quickly. Um, and it makes it a really good blocker too. You know, if you can aileron's bump, you know, even if you don't move, like it's harder to move through a medium base than it is through a small base. Yeah, I, f- I feel like much in the same way um, when you see like slam, which is an incredibly powerful movement action, increases the quality of an otherwise pretty lame dial. You see that to a lesser degree here where ailerons takes a pretty mediocre dial. I mean, your hard turns are red, right? That's a pretty big constraint. And then suddenly, I don't think that's such consideration when I take this ship. Like, I feel like it gets the maneuvers I need it to do with ailerons. 
One of the things that makes it a more versatile utility ship, though, is that it has access to both the coordinate and jam actions, uh, which are both very, very strong abilities. Right. So it's playing both sides of utility, right, built in, and you can enhance those in a ton of different ways. Uh, but the fact that this ship, I think, I think one of the big ways I would look at it, one of the big ways I would define it is that it is a very contextual ship in that it can pretty much do what you need it to do in any situation. It can switch roles very very quickly from, all right, are we close up in the fight? Are they getting a lot of actions? Cool, I'll jam. All right, do my other ships need extra tokens? Do they need extra evades? Okay, I'll coordinate. All right, am I one of the last things left? Cool, I'll switch to offense. Like, it just does whatever you need it to do in a fight. And it's really nice that that jam action is white, too. Um, you don't see a ton of white jam actions across factions, um, and you've got crew options to make that coordinate action white as well because mm-hmm. it is red standard. So this thing could have a pretty good suite of both, you know, you know, focus evade and then those utility actions, and they're all white, which is pretty good. One well, one of the things I think really ties this ship together is that uh, what do the kids say now that this ship slaps? Um, this thing, in terms of offensive output for a support ship, it is definitely on the high end. I would say it's it, it's probably. On the top three of support ships with good offense, if not the top one, I think there's maybe an argument for Hawk 290 with multi-crow. That's pretty well, good, too. So, like, there are utility ships that have, you know, equal or, or maybe more substantial offense, uh, but they cost a lot more on top of that, right? So you're getting the offense plus that utility ship. Well, you pay a lot. On the Reaper, you get it at, like, a pretty affordable rate. Um, and so it's like you're not really paying for that offense. You kind of get it for free. Or you get, you're taking that offense and you get all this utility aspect kind of for free. Right. And that just means this ship is going to contribute um, in a way that not every support ship can, right? Because a, lo- a lot of times that might be a constraint of why you do or don't take a utility ship in a list is where you think, well, I like this support ability, but it's not going to help the offensive output of my list enough. It's not going to carry enough of its own weight, so I can't fit it in. That's not a consideration here, where the Tide Reaper is going to do okay for offense. You can rely on it pretty well. And especially compared to something which is interesting, an interesting comparison to the Lambda class, which is another Imperial utility ship, where that also has three attack dice and multiple firing arcs. But you have to play it differently because with the ailerons, you get a lot more mobility, out of the TIE Reaper, whereas with the Lambda class, yeah, you've got multiple arcs, but you have to be a little more careful about how you position it and how you approach. The Lambda's also just more expensive. Yeah, you got to pay points for that too. You can also get more um, support for those offensive roles that you've got in the Reaper and for the utility abilities because it does have two crew slots, you know, which gives you a lot of options for some single crew combos there are plenty of really good generic and imperial single crew options. But what's nice is that it also gives you the opportunity to take double crew options like Sloan or Death Troopers or Palpatine, um, which, you know, Sloan and Death Troopers are good because they add that extra control ability of, you know, dishing out stress tokens and making people hold on to them if they're close enough to your Reaper. And then, of course, you've got Palp, too, if you just want to go on the the main support end and just focus on that, supporting your other ships there. He's a great option. I think one of the things that I like about the Reaper kind of as a utility ship and just as a ship in general is I wouldn't say that it's really special. It's just a good ship. So, you know, you've got that adaptive ailerons ability, which only exists over on the Striker, but you get a lot more value, I feel, out of it on the Striker because it's easier to use on that platform. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you're not taking a Reaper because it has adaptive ailerons. You're taking it because it can do those utility things and support and control things. And it's a really good platform for that. Plus, you've got that three dice gun. So it's just an incredible piece to have in your list that, you know, doesn't necessarily stand out on its own, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's one of those ones that kind of slips under the radar sometimes because not that any one area it excels in, it like super excels in. It's the fact that it's just good in so many areas. Like I said, it's a contextual ship, right? It does what you need it to do. And a lot of that functionality is just built into it. You don't have to put that much on it to make it useful. You can just take some of the higher initiative named pilots on this thing and they're fine on their own, sans upgrades. Or just take five generic ones with no upgrades. (laughs) Always an option. We'll get to that though. All right, we always like to look at the pilots though. And this one we can actually kind of talk comprehensively because there are currently only four pilots for this ship right now. Though I will say, actually all four are pretty good. What do you want to do, Tim? You want to start at the top, work our way down? No, let's get weird. Let's start in the middle. Let's go okay. with v- Vizier. Yeah, Vizier, 45 okay. points right now. This is unsettling. I'm sorry to do it this way. No, that's all right. No, it's fine. Um, yeah, Vizier's got that ability after you execute a speed one maneuver using your adaptive ailerons. Uh, you may perform a coordinate action. If you do, skip your perform action step. Now, I think this is a solid ability. Of the four pilots, this is probably my least favorite. So maybe we're really just doing my least favorite to most favorite. Yeah, I agree. This is the least exciting, although it is like it's a cool design space, right? It's you can only really do it on ships that have adaptive ailerons. It's a unique timing window there. And and there's like some built in base functionality here, right? You perform your ailerons maneuver, you perform that red coordinate, and then you can clear the stress you get from the red coordinate with your next maneuver. That's solid. Yeah, and here's where, like, Vizier is reliable, right? With that, you have kind of two options to get your coordinate action off. You can do that coordinate either during your ailerons movement uh, or during your normal action window. And why that's important is when you take a coordinate ship, you do not want that to get blocked, right? You do not want your coordinate to get denied, Um, like... When you need to coordinate, right, you need that to happen. And your opponent does generally want to block your coordinator ship. Right, because it's not so important for this ship because it's got enough hit points where it's fairly tanky. It's whatever ship you're trying to support, like, probably really needs that extra focus or really needs that evade token. And I do like, too, that this ability is on a ship that's at initiative two. So, you know, you're going to get to move probably pretty early in the activation phase, um, which with that ailerons gives you an additional edge to either, you know, get around people or get behind people and do that coordinate action. Um, it also gives you a chance to see like where you end up with the two as well, because if you've got an ace that it's going to, you know, potentially bump into something or even bump into you, you throw that coordinate to that ace and then you're not in the way anymore. So it's kind of a two for one. You can avoid your opponents and kind of avoid your own ships at the same time. This ship also has what I think is a a really cool design choice is a pair of pilots on the high initiative end, which have complete opposite focuses. So um, on the defensive side, you have Captain Faroff for 47 points with the ability while you defend, if the attacker does not have any green tokens, you may change one of your blank or focus results to an evade result. Pretty good. At I3, you're most likely getting shot at by something that has either used its green token or maybe you have your own higher initiative ships that have shot at something. 
Um, so extra defense is always good. And and I like this ability too, because it's one of those insult to injury uh, effects where like, if you put enough offense out um, before the ship gets attacked, it's like, all right, not only did I shoot you, do damage and make you spend your token, I'm just also ruining your attack output, right? I'm just, you're doing less damage to me too. And you've probably put some kind of upgrade or crew on your Captain Faroff too that you want to protect to keep it on the board a little longer. So having that extra little bit of defense help uh, goes a long way. Right, you know, like a Captain Sloan or Emperor Palpatine. They really like um, being in a ride that has that extra protection for sure. Especially since most of the typical carriers don't have a lot of defense. So this Captain Faroff seems like the obvious choice if you're doing some control effect or really big support effect that you really want to protect. Vermeil on the other side takes a very similar route but shifts the focus on offense. So Major Vermeil at 49 points right now. After you perform an attack, if the defender does not have any green tokens, you may change one of your blank or focus results to a hit result. This is probably the Reaper that sees the most play, uh, and I would say that's pretty obvious why. That ability is really good. Well, it's cool, too, and I think one of the main interactions here is that Vermeil can get offensive modification but also use their action for something else. So you can go full offense, right, and you can take whatever actions you need to get the extra offense, or you can do the coordinator, the jam, and then if they don't have tokens, you're still getting offensive mods, which is huge. And he does come in an initiative higher than Faroff. He is initiative four. And again, really good option uh, for some crew. You know, he is sub 50 points base. So you could put one of those higher end Imperial crews on him. Or, you know, you could even throw Perceptive Co-Pilot on him if you wanted to for eight points and just give him some extra tokens. Uh, plenty of options here. But this is one of those ships where you definitely don't need to put any upgrades on him, and he's a pretty solid piece on his own. Yeah, he's great, just vanilla, right? He's awesome. Uh, getting down, though, to our last pilot, uh, one that I feel like really just highlights the built-in value you get from the TIE Reaper chassis is the scarif base pilot at just 39 points, generic. But sadly, not hyperspace. <laughs> For now. You can get, you'll get your five Reapers back, John. They'll come back someday, I'm sure. Uh, this ship is just an overall great value. Like I said, it highlights everything that's built into the ship that makes it great. At sub 40 points, this can fill out any sort of like half swarm, mini swarm list to give you a coordinate or to support some interceptors. It just, at the 39 point threshold, even with minimal upgrades, it just fits into so many different Imperial lists that if you need a support platform, this is the obvious choice. So now that we've kind of broken down what a utility ship is and talked about the Reaper and some of the pilots specifically, uh, we usually like to end it with kind of just summarizing it and talking about what role the ship serves kind of in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and like you said, John, it's not that this ship feels special. It's just that it is just good, right? Like this is just an adaptable, which makes sense with adaptive ailerons, uh, utility ship that has a lot of great utility abilities via its built-in actions and also what you can get from the crew slots. And everything, it's just gravy on top when you have a pretty good offense to back that up. Right, well, it's efficient um, and does a lot of different things. And so it does slot into a lot of lists because of that. And speaking of lists, of course, we always like to give some examples of ways you can try out the ship if you want to know uh, what are some good builds. So I guess, John, uh, what's a good build you'd recommend with uh, including at least one TIE Reaper? All right. Well, I guess I'll start with uh, the obvious option here. Uh, so 
I like the five Scarif base pilots, uh, only flyable and extended currently, but that's okay. Um, it comes in at 195 points, uh, no upgrades on any of them. So they're, you know, 39 points a piece. Um, I personally didn't find a reason to put an upgrade on any of them. Um, also at the time I was flying it, the droid swarms were pretty prevalent. So it was nice to have that five point bid just to edge out some of those droids and try to capitalize on that jam action so that, uh, they weren't getting as many calculates. Now, this list feels very meme Um, Really, I'd recommend it to people who, uh, well, first of all, find a sale somewhere where these are very inexpensive. Um, that's a good starting point. Also, people who are used to very repetitive decision-making, if you're going to fly this at a uh, multi-round event where you're looking at four-plus rounds, um, you're going to make a lot of the same decisions, and you're probably going to go to the time, right, John? Uh, yeah, I think all my games went to time. Um, which is not something I usually do, nor do I usually fly five ships. But uh, uh, this is good. You know, it's it's 40 health. Uh, it's Jeez. five three-dice guns. So even if you take it to final salvo, for whatever reason you're tied, like, you're going to have a lot of dice in that salvo if that's what you end up doing. Yeah, that and people look at you like a madman, which is kind of <laughs> fun, right? You're already in their heads when the game starts, when they go like, wait, I have to do 40 damage? Oh. I remember I did the like just super awkward flex of I'd have them all in my box and then I would just take them slowly out one at a time and set them up and just like the widening of eyes as each reaper appeared from the box as like all right it's my list no upgrades five reapers let's go (laughs) no upgrade lists though are the best though I will say that's one of the most fun ways to play like I just got my ships let's go even without upgrades though like at least for me this list was pretty taxing because you've got that ailerons you have to keep in mind and one thing that I found by the end of the day that I was forgetting is when I wouldn't have to do my ailerons because I'd be stressed and then I would set a move where like okay I'll do my ailerons and do this move uh nope so just something to keep in mind but uh yeah fun list definitely um I would recommend it to people who, for whatever reason, have five or can obtain five. Uh, Give it a shot. It's fun. Now, if you're looking, that's an extended list, obviously. Um, If you're looking for something that's a little more viable uh, in terms of, you know, ships that you probably already own, um, and also that is hyperspace legal, um, you can also try this list out with the new Commandant Goron in the TIE Interceptor, who has that great ability where uh, after a ship partially executes a maneuver, it can perform a red focus action, an ability that uh, pairs very well with adaptive ailerons. So throw Commandant Goron in there with Captain Faroth, who's carrying Palpatine. So you've got that kind of defensive support platform. And then drop three Black Squadron Scouts. So that's the Initiative 3 tie striker which also obviously have ailerons so they can all all four ships can benefit from commandant goron's ability and this is kind of just my personal riff off of what uh carson's teammate steve catillo is actually playing in the xtc um i believe he has a fourth striker and they all have disciplined instead of captain Faroff. um but i really like the reaper and i really like palpatine so i swapped out those upgrades for that uh that ship instead and it comes in at a nice clean 200 points. And anyone who's played against this list, like when you get when you see the opening like salvo where they've all bumped, they've all got red focuses with their ailerons and then they just perform a normal maneuver and get a normal action. Um, when you see a bunch of tie strikers approaching you all with focus evade, you know you're in for a bad time. Yeah, I do like adding a, you know, just more hit point. Um, 
and then having some utility options there with the Reaper into that list. It's nice for that uh, that one striker if you have to line up a barrel roll or something, maybe for a block, then you've got that extra defense anyway in the form of Palp. Or, you know, you've got extra offense or you've got extra mods for a fair off. Uh, it's just an all-around good upgrade. Palp's pretty good. I don't think anyone is going to dispute that. But uh, either of these lists is really fun. Um, I've flown them both. Uh, the second one here, the hyperspace one, I've been flying lately and have had a lot of fun with. So I would recommend either or both of them uh, to anyone that wants to try flying the TIE Reaper. Yeah, I mean, I think overall we can all recommend the TIE Reaper. It's just a really fun, good, all-around X-Wing game piece. And there's a lot of different ways you can fit this into lists. So if you haven't tried using one before, I'd really recommend it. And it just looks cool. It does. The Reaper's just a cool-looking ship. It's a cool um, design, I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and honestly, like while it was more mobile on the small base at the end of first edition, I like how it operates on the medium base. It just feels right, and it just looks good. It's got a it good looks cool. board presence, for sure, Like especially when you yeah, drop five of them That medium the base definitely improves the board presence. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Please consider going on iTunes and leaving the show a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash Radio TCX and become a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us, and thank you to everyone who's already supported the show. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.